0: Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Um, And uh, this morning, we're actually not in a series. We got a couple of of freestyle messages this week and next week before we go into Vision Sunday, which I'm very excited about Vision Sunday. But uh, this message, God's been stirring in my heart for quite a while. I've been wondering where the place was where we were going to get to put it in. And strangely enough, the title of the message today is The Place. And um, I I want, I I very much want to be understood in this. So let me try in the preamble here to address a couple of things that I presume could be issues for you. One, at no time am I going to suggest that somehow the pursuit of good character or excellent character is not of value. And maybe not, it's, it's not even that it's not required for those who follow Jesus. Character matters, the pursuit of character, becoming a better person, all of those things matter to God a great deal, uh, clearly in his word. Um, What else? Maybe that was the biggest and the worst one. Uh, I don't want you to hear. Here's our problem. It's because I think we have begun to make an idol out of the personal in the body of Christ. Now, you've heard us allude to this or even be very direct about this before, where people will say, in North America especially, well, it's my personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And personal relationship is fine. It's great. And absolutely, that's why Jesus came. But you never hear them talk about in the New Testament, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so once we enter the body of Christ, it becomes a corporate mission and a corporate vision made up of living and individual stones, absolutely. Absolutely. But we have this sense to idolize our personal journeys, and and, and it's not that God isn't in a personal journey uh, to perfect us as individuals, uh, because that is happening, but it seems like we, we focus a little too much on becoming a certain person, and that is the prerequisite on which God bases the rest of your life. For instance, I have many secular friends who would say things over, over all the years that I've been trying to invite people to church. Well, I want to come to church, and hey, Trav, I'm going to get to your church one day. There's just a few things I need to work on. Who's heard that before? How many of you have been married to someone who has that attitude, that, that stance? I mean, it happens all the time. Where people think, I want to draw near to God, I want to encounter, but you know, personally, I've got to get to this place before I can come to God. I've got to get to this place before I can do this. I've got to get to this place before God will bless me. I've got to get to this place before, or what I mean is, to become a person, to become a person, to become a person that God would actually use. And not realizing that, we move then into an idolatry, as I call it, but a sort of worship of the personal rather than a worship of who Jesus is and what he is doing in your life by his nature. I've heard people say things like, I can't really commit to that right now, pastor, because I'm working on myself right now. Now I am all for you if you're hurt if you're wounded taking a break rest of course is something we preach about in this church all the time. We are not a church of overprogramming people. We are not a church of wanting to overwork people. We want people to have the fullness of life they want. We want you to have life and life abundantly cuz that's what Jesus wanted. But you just need to hear this morning how weird it is that people would actually say to me in response to an invitation to join something, to do something, to come into a place where God wants to bless you, is, well, I, I, I would, but I can't because I'm working on me. I just want to say to you in love, good luck with that. Um, it's it's going to take a lot longer than you're planning if that's the way you want to do it. And then I also feel like you know, when you say things like, yeah, you know, pastor, the church is great and everything, I would commit. But let me just say, pastor, it's not, it's not, it's not you, it's me. I kind of feel like saying, oh, man, I didn't realize we were dating. That's weird. That's weird that you thought we were, we, were, we were dating. That God, the idea that God's plan for us revolves around who we are or maybe who we need to become is actually a fallacy. I'm going to say it again for you. The idea that God's plan for your life is revolving about who you need to become is a fallacy. It is an inevitability that you will change when you walk with Jesus into the person he wants you to be. But get get the cart hooked up behind the horse, not in front of it. Understand this, and that's why the title of today's message is The Place, is because the place actually trumps the person. Now, that's a big statement, and if you want to twist my words, you could make me sound really uh, heretical even this morning, I suppose, but I'm not too worried about that because I feel so strongly that this is a message for this church and many churches in the season God has us in. Now... Men and women of good character will often see great rewards because of their character. True? Right? It's a principle of sowing and reaping. And it does apply. And it is a principle that God clearly blesses all through Scripture. It's also profoundly observable because when we see someone who sows wickedness, eventually they harvest wickedness in return. And when someone sows in righteousness, they reap in righteousness. And this is a principle of God's Word that God does bless good decision-making and God does have mercy for bad decision-making. But I want to come back to this once again. That is not the be-all and end-all of your relationship with God. That's, not, that's actually not even the point of the whole journey. The point of the journey is for you to find yourself in the place. Someone say the place. Say it again, the place. Because in a little while, every time I read the word the place from the Bible, I want you to to yell out, I don't know, the place. Actually, it would be cool if we were more like a church of real culture. You could be like, we there. That would be cool. I'd like like that better maybe. But whatever. I don't want to manipulate you. so because the Lord has been speaking to me this, I, I want you to hear this. Please hear this today, and forgive me if I say it over and over and over again, but I desperately am sensing that God is, God is speaking to me. They're not hearing this, so say it again. And I'm saying that not that you literally are not listening to me right now, but as a whole, the church needs to, we are, we are in a great awakening as the church in Canada right now. Very exciting times. The prayers that are going up in Ottawa right now, I hope you're not watching the the mainstream media to get your news these days because you ain't going to get it but if you're willing to look and you're willing to talk to some trusted people and go through some trusted people in social media, what you're going to see coming back to you is prayer meetings and worship services and acts of service in the city of Ottawa. Yeah, they're a pain in the butt. They're, they're making it hard in some areas, all those kinds of things. But mostly, these are, there, there is a pile of men and women of God who are serving the Lord and serving the city of Ottawa right now. And that's an incredible thing. And in Toronto and in, and in all of the cities, the large cities around our nation. So we are in a, a day of awakening as the church. And, and this is where God is speaking to us right now. Where God is leading you matters to more matters more than to where God is calling you. Our young adults group, we had the, we've been having conversations like this. Some of you guys can nod. Uh, you know, oh, if I could ask God one question, I would ask him, what's the purpose for my life? That's a great question good question. Everybody should ask that question, sure. Uh, But I want to tell you that the place God wants you to be in is more important than the place he's calling you to. Because when you're walking with Jesus, the only thing that matters is walking with Jesus. And you can't walk with Jesus if you're trying to run ahead of Jesus all the time. That's why it's right to say the place you are in matters more than the place God is calling you to. Now get this through your thick skulls. Make sure you can see me smile after I say that. you gotta, you got to get this into you. I'm telling you, it's good because the place is what God is going to use to make the person. The place is what God uses to make his people. Well, I don't know, Pastor Trav, that sounds a little weird. Just read your Bible. Where did God make the people of Israel? In Egypt. Starting with Abraham. Abraham. He has a place. He ends up in Egypt, all this stuff. That we're going to read about in a few minutes. And then there's another place, and there's another place, and another place. And over the generations, because God moves generationally, not in a microwave minute like we want him to. But over time, in the place that God had Abraham exist, God developed a people who he called his own. Generations Church did not start with a vision Of how. Generations Church started first with a vision of where. And if you talk to any church planter, I promise you, you will find this right at the very tippy top of the list of questions that God must answer for a church plant. You will find where being the top question in almost every circumstance. Because the place matters. The place matters. So... Let's consider uh, Abraham and Lot. Abraham and Lot. Genesis 12 starts to lay out these conversations with God and the places God had Abram in. The life of Abram slash Abraham is recorded until Genesis 25. Genesis 12 to Genesis 25. That is a huge chunk of the Bible uh, dedicated really to the sojournings of one man in the Bible. Uh, We don't have time to go through that all this morning, of course, because I am actually starting my message at least 15 minutes later than I normally would be today. No fault of the worship team or the three wonderful young people who stood up here this morning. Let's just give God the time he needs to work today and tonight. Somebody should say amen to that. So uh, I do want you to work through on your own... Those 13 chapters of the Bible, though, Genesis 12 through Genesis 25, get it in you. It's good for you. Um, you know, you might look at it and say, I can't eat that much this week. You can handle it. Trust me. Uh, it, will, it will help you. It will make you stronger. So, so I want to say that, that Abraham is only one of many we could point to in Scripture that will establish this understanding how, of how important the place God wants you in is to your life. The place matters. The place is it. The place is the place, man. That is the place you want to be. It's the place. Genesis 13, starting in verse 2. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot... Who went with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while they were dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Locke's livestock. Now, the Canaanite and the Perizzite were also dwelling then in the land. Now, I want you to notice something Abraham, Abram, is rich. So the Bible says. He's wealthy. He's got lots of silver. He's got lots of gold. He's got lots of servants. He's got lots of herdsmen because he's got lots of livestock. He is doing well for himself. And Lot also, the Bible says, and Lot also had a whole bunch of livestock, and he had a whole bunch of flocks and herds and tents. And I want you to understand what this means. It actually does mean that Lot also had a great deal of wealth. You say, well, it doesn't say anything about gold and silver. Well, i got to tell you something. When everything that you have to move around in your life is done on the backs of donkeys and camels, things that weigh a lot are not nearly as valuable as you think they are. (laughs) True story. If you've ever, right, you can have all the gold in the world, but if you can only carry with you what you can physically carry, it's not going to be that much. Gold is heavy. Silver is heavy, and the beautiful thing about cattle, goats, and sheep, the the livestock is they are of great value, but they have this wonderful thing that God blessed them with called legs. And so they carry their own value, right? And so Abram was rich with silver and with gold, and he had lots and lots of livestock. Lot also had lots of livestock, and he had many tents. And why did he need many tents? Because he had many people with him. So these two men are maybe the wealthiest men in the known world at this time, I would be guessing. But the the point here is that the two of them combined are too much for the land to bear in that one spot. And we're talking about large uninhabited tracts of land here. Don't forget that. So verse 8, let's continue on. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you, so please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right, or if to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, the garden of Eden, right? So, (coughs) excuse me. So Lot chose for... Sorry, i got to come back. i got to find my spot. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. So this might be an example... Maybe the first real example we've seen since Adam of men, a man specifically who is so content with trusting the Lord, and then a man who is also striving for everything his eyes desire. Okay? Um, Lot chooses the land with access not just to water, not just because of the feed for the animals, but also he chose the land that was closer to the cities. Does anybody want to know why Lot would do that? If you want, just buy a few cows and you'll understand. Because you raise livestock, not just as a hobby, but in order to sell those livestock or to trade with those livestock. So it makes perfect sense for a very commercially minded individual to say, you know what, it's to my benefit to be closer to the cities. I think sometimes we read this part of the Bible and it's like we think Lot was like a drug addicted raver. You know, it's like he wanted to be in the party scene and he wanted his, I would I would just suggest to you this morning that Lot probably looked he said we got food, we got water, we got we're close to markets. That will help me get a little more than what Abraham's going to get, so I'm going to serve my interests first. Again, I'm saying that Lot is a man who is striving to become what? I think Lot is striving to become as great as Abraham. Because Lot doesn't understand yet that the place matters a lot more than the person he thinks he should be. Now, if you read, as I've asked you to the rest of these chapters, you'll read about what Lot eventually found. He needed to be rescued by Abraham. He, he, needed, he lost his wife. God had to destroy his wife over looking back as Sodom and Gomorrah. Was destroyed. I mean, it is actually a tragic story. But if you can just get your head around with me about this by the Spirit of God today, Listen. Lot was a man who looks like he was striving to be someone he wasn't. And in that, he was missing the place he could have had. Because on the other side of this story, what do we have? We have Abram. And Abram said, look, buddy, if you take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the the best pasture lands, I'm totally happy to go over here and take this. Why? Because Abraham had a different trust relationship with God. Abram, Abraham... Uh, He's not Abraham technically yet, according to the, the linear layout of the story. But Abraham, as we will learn, has an incredible trust relationship with God that, frankly, all faith for the rest of history will be compared to because he trusted God to the point of bringing his own son to an altar. Wow. Can I just hit time out for a second on the message and, and reiterate again for you, just learn how to be content with the place God has put you. Because he's going to develop something amazing if you give him the time to do it. Not because he needs the time. He, time is irrelevant to God, but you need the time. Don't despise the place God has you. Whatever it looks like, don't despise it. Hear this this morning. Abraham says choose, so Lot chooses. And that's where we see how much the place can matter. Not the choice place, but the place that God brings you. Now listen to this. This is amazing. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Abram, now lift up your eyes. And look from the place that you are. Do you think the place mattered? I think the place mattered. Is it because Lot chose left instead of right? Nope. I don't think it has anything to do with Lot's choice. I think it has to do with the predetermined will of God that from the place Abram would be, God would reveal to him what was going to happen in the future. Look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And he built an altar to the Lord there. Listen, it's very important that you understand this. The place where God has called you to, he wants you to have your habitation in it. You, know, you notice he just didn't say, Abraham, now put your feet in this one place and look around and I'm going to give it to you, which included to the east, which Lot had gone and claimed for himself. I don't know if you missed that. But God says, no, prophetically, here's what's going to happen. Look from the place that you're standing right now, son, and I'm going to show you everything that's going to be yours. I'm going to show you what all your descendants in the earth are going to inhabit. And then what does God say? Now I want you to go and walk about it. I want you to walk in the place that I have given you. I want you to walk in the place that I am calling you to. I want you to set up your tent. I want you to live in the land. I want you to be a part of the land. I want you to be you in the land. But all of those things only mattered because Abram was willing to be in the place that God put him. Never, ever doubt this, please. God wants to do something in your life today from the place that you are. Not from the place you think you need to be. My son is, my oldest son right now is considering what he does. He graduates in a a couple months here and we're so excited and heartbroken at, at all of this all at the same time. It's a really wonderful, confusing stage of life for me as a really manly man. I seriously feel like crying. I'm driving sometimes. I, I drove by the high schools in Grand Prairie on the bypass the other day, and I literally started choking up. I was thinking, I remember the time I drove by that high school after that wasn't my life anymore. I do. I remember the first time. I remember the emotion of it, how the change felt. And now I drove by just a few days ago. I looked at it, and I'm like, ah. I started just about to ugly cry because I thought, my, my son... It's time, it's it's transition. Things are changing. Things are moving. Things are happening all around us. But you know, it's the place God called me to. So all of these things that are unfolding, and I think about my son, and I wonder how he's doing, and I ask him how he's doing, and we have these conversations at ungodly hours of day. Usually I have to go to bed, and Amy has the strength to continue on, for I am too weary I remember my parents warning me about that. Yeah, you guys all wanted to talk at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, 11 o'clock till 2 a.m. Mm. Love it. We're loving young adults these days. It's the same story for the Holmquist and Amy and I. They are they are just getting wound up at 11:59, and we're all like, we are so old. This is so, so we're so tired. Please, please, God, help us. No, we love it. Um, but this is the thing we see all the time. And I'm, I'm hearing these young men, these young women ask the same question. Yeah, what, who, does, who does God want me to be? Young adults, youth, old people, everybody in this church, hear me say it again. Who God wants you to be starts in the place you're in. It starts right here, right now, today, in this place. Oh, my marriage is crap, Pastor. I, I think I'm divorced already, even though we're not. hey. God wants you to look from that place and see what he has for you. You know, I have cancer. My wife is sick. We're dealing with this. I want you to hear this by the Spirit of God. Plant your feet in the place you're in and begin to look at what God wants to do from that place. Because that will bring you into the person that he's calling you to be. But I'll tell you, I promise you one thing. If you start running around like a goofy chicken with no head... If you start running around thinking you know better than God, if you start leaving the boundaries of where He has caused you or told you to habitate, you know that the Lord appoints the boundaries of your habitation, right? He He does for all human beings. The Lord has pointed appointed the times and the places of our habitation. And you think you can run around in that boundary and somehow somehow the somehow God is going to chase you down and God is God is going to do all the things that God does. He is. Your silliness and my silliness don't really inhibit him all that much. But man, it might take us a lot longer to become who he called us to be because we don't want to be where he called us to be. God wants to do something in your life today from the place you are. I don't care how despairing that place looks. Because if Abram can look and see, man, Lot took all the best stuff. Right. And God says, hey, Abram, come over here. Now stand right here. And from the place you're standing, look around. I'm going to give it all to you. Yeah, Lord, but, Abr- A- but but Lot got everything to the east. No, God says, no, look to the east. I'm going to give all that to you. Because the place matters more. The place matters more. I know, I will beat this dead horse. The place Matters more. See, because what you're forgetting when you think that your place or your limitations are a factor in what God wants to do, let me remind you that God can tell Moses to pick up a snake, a stick, and it will become a snake. God can tell Moses to raise his staff and a sea will part. God can use Moses' staff to bring water from solid rock. God can use a stick stood up in the desert with some snakes on it to heal people from a plague. We ain't even got to the part about God using a donkey to correct a prophet. See, your limitations are laughable for God. But God, the place I'm in sucks. God says, good. (laughs) Good. Because now I'm going to show you what not suck looks like. But see, the sad part is there's so many people who want to follow Jesus. We just give up. Well, forget it. I'm, my place sucks too bad. God can't use me in this place. God can't use me under this ministry. God can't use me. Oh, this ministry is like a plastic bag draped over us, keeping us all pinned down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Open your eyes and see what God is showing you in the place you're in. Understand today that whatever the place you find yourself standing is, is that God wants in that place. God wants to show you something. God wants to show you something in the place you are right now. Because it's not about who you are. It's not about who you are. Because frankly, if I can just say it this directly to you, you're not that special anyways. Now, yes, you're his beloved, you're his chosen. I am the one he loves. I am Jesus' favorite, and so are you. We can all lay that claim because he is an eternal, everlasting, almighty, ever powerful God. Yet, drain him of his love by adding more people. So, those things can be true. But also, what I bring to the table is not special compared to who God is. So I'm not that special anyways. What I'm trying to pound home is that God doesn't need you to be the version of you that you think is best in order to accomplish his purposes in your life. God just needs you to stand in the flipping place long enough for you to realize that he is God. Yeah, I said flipping. Pastor swear words. Listen, and if this was true for Abram, for Abraham, and it was true for Isaac, and it was true for Jacob. That's why they say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Through every generation. Come on, that's what he is. Who, here's where we come to it. I'm going to read you something else. And wherever I say the word place, I need you to shout out the word place, okay? So it's, I'm going to be like, blah, 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 blah. Bible says, Bible says place. And you're going to yell, place! Because I want you to get this. I want, the, I want the dead people to hear it. Nope, the dead people. Hey, Genesis 28. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place, and he spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place, and he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching into the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you forever wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep saying, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. This is the place. What a comfortable place it was. Only, only when I'm reading, sorry. I mean, you guys, are, you guys are truly passionate, and I appreciate it so much. Um, I should have thought that through a little more. All the kids would be like, yeah, we can yell place forever. God's certain place. Now hear this. The only biblical description of the place Jacob was is what? He came to a certain place. It's funny because when we think of it's a certain place, we think as though that's kind of specific. But all through the Bible when you read he came to a certain place, a certain tree, a certain thing, it's, it's actually quite random. But you know why it says certain is because after the person had stayed in the place, it became very significant because of what God had done. See, it was just a place until it became a certain place, and why it became a certain place was because it turned out to be the Lord in that place. And you might underestimate the value of showing up in church on Sunday morning because it's just a place. There's lots of churches to go to. There's lots of houses you can fellowship in in this city and other cities, and none of them are significant or important except that when the Lord is in the place... It becomes something powerful and significant and special and life-giving, life-giving and vision-casting. Come on. The only biblical description was, well, it's a certain place. But because God was in that place, because he found the presence of the Lord in that place, it became something immeasurably valuable. And maybe what's that, that's what this whole thing is about. What, whatever your place, whatever your season, whatever your situation, whatever your journey, it is for you to discover the presence of God in that place. That's the point. Well, when I get through this, maybe I'll feel God again. Whether you feel God or not, seek the Lord, man. Because feeling does not make it a special place. Let's consider this place just for, just for another moment. Because I found this funny. Um, I, I read it three or four times. I was like, did it just, it just say that? It was, he was tired. The sun had gone down. He needed to rest. So he took a rock from that place and used it for a pillow. Now, I like a hard pillow myself. I have a large neck and pretty large shoulders, and there's a lot of muscle there, actually. And, and I've learned that, that if I sleep the wrong way with the wrong sort of pillow, too soft a pillow especially, I, I wake up in pain every day of my life. I, I long for the days when I could be like a baby and sleep with my arms both over my head like this. I can't do that anymore, because those muscles all let me know at about 3.30 in the morning that they need to move, and I have to get out of bed and drink coffee now. It's terrible. Everybody who's over 40 understands what this is like. It's just all of a sudden you got to pee or you need coffee or your muscles hurt at 3.30 in the morning. Up you get. Here we go. Might as well use that time to pray or something. Uh, but I love that from that place he took a rock. And what I want you to understand is that for, for Jacob, who, who, who was the one who wrestled with God, for Jacob, who through all the nations of the earth would be blessed, just like God's promise to his grandfather Abraham, it was not a comfortable place. It was the kind of a place where you sleep on the ground and you use a rock for a pillow. That's the kind of place it was. It wasn't a particularly holy place. It wasn't a really super special place. It was just a place. He was really tired in that place, he was uncomfortable in that place. The Bible doesn't say he camped there and made that place because there was a, a stream of fresh water or that there was a wonderful hot spring that he could relax in. It was just a certain place. But God was in that place. God was in that place. And in that place, God revealed to him. And God inspired him. And in that place, God promised him. And in that place, get this, God multiplied him. He was not worthy as a man to be in that place. Jacob's name means he grasps the heel. The name, the name Jacob means to deceive. He, he does not have the, the character references necessary to be a father of generations. He does not have the character qualifications. To, to be a supervisor on the night shift at McDonald's, frankly. He does not have a great character reference. Because you think about how many people are in the earth in those days, and it's still a relatively small number. So who are you going to get to fill out your reference for your night management position at McDonald's? Well, I have my brother Esau. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not too sure I want him to reference me for this job, right? I mean, he, there, what is about him that's so great, other than he stole a birth, a, a, a birth blessing? a birthright. Can you hear me say it one more time before you get sick of it? He was in the place. And he met the Lord in that place. And in that place, God spoke to him words of vision, multiplication, provision. I'm going to say this one more time too. All all church people, all people who are wanting to follow Jesus, but they're quitting too soon because they're not staying in the place long enough. For provision to come, for that relationship breakthrough to happen. Jesus came to a place too. Luke 19, 1 to 10, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was able to, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, I'm reading the Bible. Oh man. See, it's too too tricky. Too tricky. He came to the place. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was. That's the value. Was it a special sycamore tree? Was it an anointed sycamore tree? What what was so special about the tree? Abraham planted the tree? No. Frankly, he was short. He could actually climb that particular tree, and Jesus happened to be passing by that general direction. That's what made the tree special. And yet, that tree made it into the Bible because Jesus came to that place. Come on. Where did Jesus come? Jesus came to that place where Zacchaeus was, where Zacchaeus had stationed himself in order that he would just have the hope of seeing Jesus. If God is seeking and saving those who are lost, don't you want to be in the place where He's seeking? Don't you? I want to be in the place He's seeking. Where, wherever that is, I don't care where that is, I'll go wherever it is that God is seeking. I will be in that place. For God is seeking the lost and saving the lost. Peter found himself in a place. He found himself in a place where they thought they were going to sink. They thought the boat was going down. But but what happened? Jesus came to that place. Jesus came to that place. And because Jesus came to that place, Peter also then walked on the water with Jesus. And because Jesus came to that boat, then that boat was no longer in danger of sinking. Why? Because Jesus came to that place. The place becomes so important when God enters into it. It becomes the only thing that matters, in fact. Because if you can just understand this, guys, that the moments you have with Jesus on a Sunday morning or in your pickup truck or in your devotional time, wherever it might be, those moments in that place are the most valuable moments of your life. Because in that moment and in that place, what's happening is the living God is filling every part of your broken down, worthless human flesh with his glory and his grace and his goodness and his provision so that you can go and pour it out to the world around you. The place matters because he's in it. Thomas found himself in a place. You know his name, Doubting Thomas? That sucks, eh? I'd like to be a Bible character, but not one of those. Don't want to be Judas. Nobody wants to be Judas. Nobody also wants to be Thomas. Who, Who really, I don't want to be a Doubting Thomas. That's not very fun. Jesus literally walks into the place. He appears in the place where Thomas is. And poor Thomas, even that's not good enough for him. Thomas' response wasn't seeing is believing. It wasn't, well, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it like Jacob's was. No, no, his response is, I can see you, but I still don't believe that you're here. So Jesus says, come here. Come here. Put your fingers in the place where the nails were. Put your hand in the place where the spear pierced my side. When Thomas realized the place, he believed. It's not an accident. Paul and Silas were in a place Come on, Paul and Silas were in a place, a prison to be exact, kind of like Jacob's place, not comfortable, not a hot tub, not a weekend uh, retreat with a golf course or anything like that. And now here's the thing about Paul and Silas. They were actually men of great character who did not deserve, based on their ministry, to be in jail at all. The Lord came to that place, though. And don't ever forget about what they did in that place. Let's read about it, in fact, Acts 16. See, in Acts 16... Paul and Silas are ministering in a a, a place and and there is a girl possessed by a spirit of divination. In other words, she was possessed by a demon and other people were exploiting her abilities because of that demon. So in the the events that took place, Paul and Silas get annoyed. They cast the, the devil out of her. And then everybody's mad because they can't make money off this girl anymore. Right? And so they have... Paul and Silas, beaten severely with rods, no trial, and thrown into prison. Acts 16, 25. Let's pick it up. Acts 16, 20? Somehow I wrote Acts 16, 25 to 20 in my notes, so I can't read this backwards. Uh, let's, Let's go with verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came about a great earthquake so that the foundations of the house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. And so he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did the place matter? In jail. Discomfort. Injustice. Not fair. Not right. Shouldn't have to be here, but here I am. I'm going to praise God anyways, and what happens? The Spirit of the living God visited that place. Somebody got saved. Not just him, but his whole household. Immediately they were baptized, the Bible goes on to say. Please hear what Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning. And, and don't despise the place God has you in right now. And I'm not talking literally about Generations Church. But maybe for some of you, literally, it needs to be about Church. Because you only got one foot in and you're thinking, man, I'm just waiting for my moment to break out of here. Well, if you're going to go, go break out of here. And get somewhere and get planted. Be planted so that God can visit that place and you can receive what you need from him. But I tell you what, if you keep running around in circles, it's going to take a long time for you to receive. Don't despise the place God has you in. Rather, start looking for him in it. Start looking for Him in it. Start looking for Jesus in the place that you're in. Start looking for the Spirit of God in the place that you're in. Well, I don't like my place. I already know that you don't like the place you're in. But you will once you realize the Lord was in the place even though you didn't know it. That is. The place that you're in and you despise in this moment of your life that will be radically transformed in your thinking because the Lord visits it will become the place of altars for you to look back on when you want to celebrate what God did. That's how it works. God wants to use your place to do some things. He wants to use your place to multiply people. Whether it be the number of them or the character in them. I don't like our house that we live in. Amy and I can literally say that. It's still only three quarters renovated. And we keep on running out of money to renovate everything that needs to be renovated. Oh, my goodness. But what does God do in that place? (laughs) Man, we could set up altar after altar after altar in that place because of what God is doing. Do you get it? Do you get it? The place of your discomfort, the place where you had to use a stone for your pillow, can become the place of the altar that brings honor and glory to God because he was in it. And we, we tend to think that the altars to God are going to be built somehow in our character. And I'm sorry to tell you this, but when your character becomes the altar, you are the one who's going to be worshipped. And I don't think any one of us wants that. But it's true. God works all things together for the good of those who love him called according to his purpose, that we know, that we say, that we say that verse here multiple times every month. But he's in the place that you're in for that to happen. He's working the place you are together for your good. He is. He's working your place together. And what about you? You here in this place this morning, you here maybe watching Online, are you willing to leave today without knowing what he wanted to meet you about today? Are you willing to leave this place without giving that consideration over to him? Are you going to try to get to a better place? Yeah, heck yeah, Pastor. We don't have vaccine passports to get into restaurants anymore. Going to a better place. Called Boston Pizza. I hope you do. And I hope you take some friends. And I hope you bless people. And I hope you bless the servers. Because you can come back tonight to this place. And some of you, here's what I want you to do I want you to leave this place. I want you to go out for lunch. I want you to go home and have a nap. Moms and dads, you know what that means. I want you to, to get refreshed. I want you to get rejuvenated. And then I want I want to ask you. I want you to ask you to come back tonight. Because the Lord will be in this place tonight. Because we're going to gather here to worship and to pray. Not to do anything else. Just to worship and to pray. There will be no message. I mean the Lord will give, the Lord will speak. But I don't have a sermon plan. I'm not sharing. We're coming to worship and to pray because we know that when we gather in His name, He will come and make His presence known and realized among us. And the place will become significant because He walks into the room. So I close with this today. And we're doing church just a wee bit different today, for sure. Isaiah 55, 6. Let me leave you with this today. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon his name while he is near. See, you and I can do that anytime we want to or need to, in any place that we are. Why? Because Jesus went to a place called Golgotha. You know what Golgotha means, literally? The place of the skull a certain place but that place of the skull forever transformed humanity giving us an opportunity at a relationship with god that we could have no other way than through the shed blood of jesus a perfect lamb if you feel the need to respond to the message this morning, you can absolutely come to the front and we would love to pray with you. But I'm going to close the service different than we normally do today by inviting you to come back this evening to seek the Lord and to call on his name while he is near with us. He won't pass you by But you got to remain in the place. you got to plant your feet. And say, Lord, I don't want to move from this place until I know you're coming with me. I'm not going to move from this place until until you release me. Lord, I'm not going to move from this place. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Because he's in this place. And I know it. And you can know it too. i'd like to pray for you i'm just going to have uh the sound guys as i used to say spin a disc which is still technically true because i believe the hard drive is still spinning somewhere actually it's not i don't think we have hard drives anymore i don't even know how i don't even know how an ipad works who am i kidding i want to pray for you would you stand and again, if you need prayer, if you want ministry this morning, by all means, you can come and get prayer from us anytime you want, day or night, just if it's nighttime, call Carlisle. But let me pray for you. You receive what God has for you, but I, but I really believe if you're willing to come back to this place tonight, I think there's a continuation of what God's been doing this morning that's going to just flow right into our meeting tonight, and I am very excited about it. So, Father, I thank you for each person that's standing in this room right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have defined the boundaries, the places of our habitation, of our coming and our going, Lord. It is all within your plan. It's all within the scope of your vision for our lives, and that we really can't run away from that. God, what an amazing thing you do for us. The Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would... Touch our hearts and touch our ears and open them, God, to hear what it is you're saying to us. Lord, for the hearts that are striving and trying to become something different but really end up doing that in their own strength, Lord, I just speak release and relief over them right now in Jesus' name to cease striving, to be still, to know that you are God. To know that in the place you have them, God, you want to show them great and marvelous, great and wonderful things. Lord, for those who are simply hungry for more of you, God, I pray that you would sustain them in this place. And Lord, that you would visit them again and again. And Lord, we lift our brothers and sisters to you this morning. We're battling illness, and I think of Connie Duick right now, Jesus, sitting in the hospital. Lord, we pray healing over her body. We pray, God, that your spirit would go into that room, that they would feel your presence in that very room, Jesus, as you walk in, as you deliver her from sickness Lord, that your presence would just flood that place in such a sweet way. And Father, for those who are right now sitting on the fence about whether or not they want to put both feet into your presence tonight, Holy Spirit, we trust you to do the work that only you can do in the lives of people. We thank you for the cross. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.